Hey guys, joining me today is TEDx speaker, author, and mindset coach, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. While preparing to deploy with the US Army, Marcus suffered a severe spinal injury that left him paralyzed from the neck down. His life was turned upside down, and after dying twice on the operating table, he was told he would never be able to walk or use his hands again. Days quickly turned into months, and he was forced into life-changing soul-searching. He discovered he was left with two choices. He could either be a victim or he could change his mindset. Having no other option, he began looking for any lessons to be learned from his injury and soon discovered that his adversity was a gift. He now speaks, teaches and writes to inspire others to actualize their full potential and achieve their goals and aspirations. Marcus, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you, such an honor. Marcus, I love your TEDx talk. It's so inspiring and I'm looking forward to talk about overcoming adversity, finding true purpose and setting priorities in life. But before we jump into all that, please take a minute, fill in the gaps from that intro and tell us more about your injury, what you went through and how did you turn an extremely difficult and painful life situation into a gift? Yes, it's, it's one of those situations where, as we said in the intro, I really had no other choice. Lying there in a bed, for a long time, it makes you really have a chance to see what's actually important in your life and what's not. Things that once seemed like a huge priority turn into a mere afterthought quickly. In that situation, it made me sit down and actually see what I really wanted to do with my life. And I told myself that if I ever had the opportunity to get up and walk again, that I would attack the things that I really wanted in life, as opposed to going after the things that I realize now were things that other people thought that I should do, or perhaps other people I was trying to impress with my actions. Going through adversity forces you to commit entirely, and that's what so many people seem to lack whenever they're doing something. People will set up a goal or a priority, but they will not have a sense of urgency to make it happen because there's nothing that's keeping them accountable. In my situation, being paralyzed was the ultimate form of accountability, and it forced me to look inside myself and see how much more strength I could pull out of myself as opposed to just sort of going along to get along, as it were. I was wondering, what was the thing that you most regretted not having been able to accomplish before your injury? Yes, that's one of the questions I talk about in my TED Talk and one of the questions that I talk about in my book that's coming out is those three questions I ask because it gives you a lot of perspective. The three questions I ask are, if you woke up tomorrow paralyzed from the neck down, what would you wish you would have accomplished with your life? And the thing that I wish that I would have accomplished with my life is exactly what I'm doing now, which is going out and trying to teach other people about the importance of mindset, writing about this stuff and helping people find their own strength within themselves and coaching other people to allow them to find out how strong they truly are as opposed to waiting around and having a victim mentality. Ironically, I knew that this is something that I wanted to do most of my life, but again, I allowed it to be pacified or I allowed to put it in the corner because of what I thought other people wanted me to do or other pressures that I thought that I was feeling. So in hindsight, while it's it's horrible the way that it happened, again, I think of adversity truly as a gift if you're able to look at it as a way to learn and to get stronger, as opposed to looking at it as something that happens to you where you have no control over it. That is a powerful distinction. And what are the other two questions that you asked yourself and now ask the people who you're trying to inspire with your work? Yes. The second question is, what regrets would you harbor? So... That's the second question. The third question is asking, and if you were able to get up and walk again, how would you begin to live your life differently? 
the regrets that I harbor were the ones that I was discussing before where I realized that I wanted to do other things, but I was listening to what other people were saying. And then when I realized that I was able to actually try to use my strength to walk again, that's when I started actualizing the things that I'd always wanted to do. And I started cutting away the things that were not serving me and worked forward towards the, the actual priorities of my life as opposed to the distractions of my life. You succeeded in turning deep adversity into a gift, and I believe this is reflected in the wonderful work that you are doing as a teacher and as a coach. Please share with us some details about the way you motivate, inspire, and change people's lives. Yes, what I do is I try to show other people that the adversity is a, a big component, but I, I try to show people that adversity can approach you in many different ways, and I think that you don't always have to be afraid of. You can go through and you can put things on a scale of adversity. So the worst scenario for me was obviously being paralyzed and dying. So I compare everything else that I'm asking from myself now up against that scale. So, for example, if I have to go do something that I really don't feel like doing, I ask myself, well, is this the worst thing I've ever done in my life? And it never is. So once I can have that perspective and I look at it and say, you know what, it's really not that bad. I'm mentally stopping myself from being able to accept this. And by doing so, that's what allows me to actually get this stuff done. If you're trying to resist it mentally, you won't get it done. But if you can tell yourself, you know what, I want to do this or I need to get this done, that is the way that you can allow yourself to get stronger. So I talk to my clients about that a lot. I try to awaken and empower them and help them understand that they are so much stronger than what they believe they are. And especially for me, the, the fire that I had to walk through of adversity was what helped me actually find out what my strength was. You never know how strong you are until you have no other choice other than to be strong. And we are only as strong as the adversity that we overcome. You are so right. I was just thinking about something that you said in your talk. You compared adversity with gravity. Could you expand on that a little bit? Absolutely. I'm glad that you brought that up. Adversity is a natural law like gravity, and that's the way I look at it. It's an inevitability, so it's always going to be there in some way, shape, or form. So even if, like, let's say, for example, you and I are on a vacation and we're on a beautiful desert island, and we have a person that's bringing us drinks and the sun's out and it's gorgeous, there is still going to be something that, if we look at it negatively, that we can complain about. Oh, it's too hot. Oh, I've got sand in my... Unfortunately, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, there's always something. The idea is understanding that it was always going to be there, that there's always something that we're going to have to overcome. By looking at it in that manner, it helps you understand that it's always going to be there. So why don't you have a better attitude about it? Why don't you look at it as something that will help you get stronger so that when you do run into something that is more adverse than what you're currently facing? So with the first example, if we're in really, really cold weather and there is no sun compared to where we were on the beach, it's a lot worse, right? So we have to have that adversity and we have to understand that it could be a lot worse. And by doing these small incremental micro adversities towards ourselves that helps us get stronger. So much like lifting weights, much like building a callus on your hands, we can slowly build up to a point where we start to see how strong and how brave we can actually be in the face of any sort of adversity. And it also brings up the point of all those things in our lives that we take for granted. And also you talked about adversity not asking you for your permission to enter your life, just like gravity. And I really, really loved that comparison. You're absolutely right. Thank you. And it's true. I mean, it, it doesn't really care about what your opinion is about the situation that's going to happen. It doesn't care if you if you like how it's, it shows up or it shows up at the most inopportune times. And it doesn't really give a, a care about your feelings. So you have to sort of understand that as you go into it, because 
we understand that there are the five stages of grief, right? There's bargaining and there's anger and there's all these different things. And people never get past that first level. They, they always go through that denial and they always think, well, maybe if I do this, I don't have to, I won't have to do this. And that's why people are sort of lazy. And I am as well. So I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody else, but I actually was able to call myself on it and say, you know what? I'm not doing what I should be doing here. I'm being intellectually lazy. I'm being emotionally lazy because I'm not facing this. And when you have no other choice, again, the choice is simple. So once I was there and I realized that I was going to have to face this, I was like, okay, let's face this and let's see where this goes. Please tell me, did you have any sorts of support during that difficult time for you when you were depressed and angry? I don't know, maybe your loved ones, maybe some resources, maybe a mentor. It was actually a very dark period and I didn't tell my family, my close family, what had happened. I just told them that I was injured. And I didn't tell them to the, the severity of it. And the reason I did that was a little bit selfish on my part because I was trying to protect them. I also realized that even if they came up and, and saw me, all they were going to see is a guy laying in a bed with a neck brace, unable to move. And that was not something that I wanted them to see. So I was, again, like I said before, I was trying to you know, not face that. I was hoping if I didn't let them see me like that, then maybe it wouldn't be a reality. As the time passed, you know, eventually I realized that this may be a reality. But again, I was still fighting that as much as I could. So there wasn't a whole lot of support system, honestly. That's why I kind of went into a very, I went into a very dark place. It was the lowest point of my entire life. And as I say in my talk, I got to a point where I would have committed suicide probably if I was physically able, but I wasn't. So again, that was, it's different. If you realize that you're on your deathbed, you can look on your life and you realize you have another 30 or 40 years of your life left and you're going to be like this for the rest of your life, that is an entirely different mindset, and that really shakes you to your foundation. So it's a very brutal reality to have to face. I can only imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Marcus, please share with us a little bit about that precise moment with everything shifted, if you can remember. There was a lot of things that have sort of come together and dovetailed. I've done martial arts since I was you know, 11 years old. And in studying martial arts, there is a lot of philosophy that's built into it. And even if they don't go around saying a bunch of you know, phrases all the time, it's something that you sort of pick up. So even like with stoicism or even like with the samurai, for example, with that sort of mentality, that, that martial attitude, those truths sort of bear themselves out. And lying in that bed, and again, I, I was looking at everything that I had done. And up to that point, everything I was doing wasn't working. Everything I was doing was just making me more angry. When the anger's turned inward is when you get depression. And I was just completely unhappy to the point where I, I had to face that. The moment that really clicked for me was when I thought, you know what? There has to be something that I'm supposed to learn from this. There has to be a reason why the universe has put me in the situation. And whatever that lesson is, I'm not grasping it. So I told myself, okay, I'm going to go ahead and embrace this. I'm going to take this adversity exactly as it is. I'm just going to let it wash over me. And then I'm going to see what is on the other side of this because there has to be something else. Because what I'm doing right now is not making me any better. It's actually making me obviously a lot worse. And once I did that, once I had that shift, I woke up the next morning and I felt different. Maybe not better, but different. And then a week later, after I made that conscious shift in my life, my fingers on my left hand moved a little bit that small bit of light at the end of the tunnel that actually gave me some to live towards. I was trying to think of anything to be positive about, anything to be thankful for, and I couldn't think of anything. And then eventually I realized that if this had happened whenever I was deployed, for example, I may have gotten other men killed. I may have gotten 
you know, a helicopter may have gotten shot down trying to bring me out, all these things. So when a person has a pity party, when they're being um, very selfish and, and they feel bad about themselves, when they have the victim mentality, as I call it, they're actually being selfish because they, they want other people to feed into that emotion and they want to, you know how it is. You walk around, hey, how are you today? Oh, my job's horrible. Oh, I'm working so hard. Oh, blah, blah, blah. You know how that is. And those people are, they're doing what they feel that they need to do. But if you just sit here there and you encourage that behavior, that's what they will continue to do. So when I run into those people, I say, man, I'm really sad to hear that. So what can we do about it? And when you do that, it takes them from being in this passive reactionary mindset into this, oh, well, what can I do about it? Absolutely. You know, that is a powerful shift. And talking of mindset shifts, what advice would you give a person who is not necessarily facing deep adversity in their life right now, but they feel stuck in their life. They feel stuck in a job they hate or their business is a, a living hell, or maybe they feel stuck in a toxic relationship and they don't know what to do. What would you say to them? I'm glad you asked that question because we run into, into a lot of people like that, whether it be a family member, whether it be somebody that we, we work with, whatever the situation may be. To a person that's stuck in that situation because I've been there in different capacities in my life, you have to realize that you have all the power. You always have choice. If you choose to take that job that you really don't like, but you compromise to take it, then you have to understand that all these other things are going to cascade from that. So you have to tell yourself, well, if I don't like this job, then what can I do to change it? Have I looked for another job? A lot of people find a job that they don't like and they settle for it with this mindset. They tell themselves that they're going to look for another job later, but they don't because they become complacent. So if you're in a situation where you feel stuck, you have to decide what can I do to change this? And again, it can be something as simple as picking up a book. It can be as simple as listening to the podcast. You have phenomenal material. You have phenomenal guests. Anybody who doesn't take advantage of the things that you offer, that's their own fault because there is so much material out there that they could actually get. And I, I really love the work that you do. Thank you. Thank um, you so doing, much. You're doing the work. Do you still have the 100 slots that are open? Yeah, 35, 36, something like that. Fantastic. Well, whoever's listening to this, you need to get in the slots as fast as you can because the opportunity that you have with this is phenomenal. So any of those kind of things, we can do things as long as we actually make a decision and realize that we had the choice. If you sit there and think that you're a victim and it's like, woe is me or this happened to me, you can't think like that because every time you have that kind of mindset, you become victimized by other things, whether it be the weather or a person or your job. You decide if you don't like what's going on, change it. You know, what you tolerate is what will continue. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's so empowering to know that actually your future is in your own hands and it's your responsibility and you have the power to change this. Absolutely. Okay, Marcus, as we are reaching the final part of the show, I would like to ask you a few personal questions that will give the audience invaluable pieces of wisdom that will help them on their journey. So are you ready for the fire round? Absolutely. Bring it, my friend. <laughs> All right. Here's the first question. If you were to recommend one book that every man must read, what would it be and why? Man, there's so many books that we all love, but the book that really came to mind for me a lot, especially during my injury, and I think it would be anybody, especially men on this journey, would be the work by Pressfield when he says, in the war of art, he talks about resistance. That's the way that I look at adversity as as well. It's like resistance, but I look at adversity as a much more you know, adversarial and aggressive form of it. Anything that's in that book, you can pick up almost any page and look through there, and he can show how if you 
put your mind to it, if you do the work, there is going to be resistance, whatever it is. So if you're stuck in that job, if you're stuck in that toxic environment or relationship, it's not going to be easy just to do it. It's going to be like pulling out a thorn. It's going to hurt. And it's going to hurt for a while, even after you've taken care of the problem. But then slowly, once you've taken care of that problem, you can begin to heal. But until you put in the work and face that pain, whatever the case may be, you're always going to be exactly where you are right now. Absolutely. It's a great read. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Here's the second question. If you had the opportunity to talk to your 20-year-old self, what advice would you give him? What would you tell him to do differently? That's another question, too, because there's some people that have the mindset of, well, if I told my 20-something-year-old self what to do at this point, then, you know, it would change my entire life up to this point. I understand all that. But what I would say is, even at 20 years old, even at 15 years old, even at 10 years old, we sort of have a sense of ourselves and we have a sense of what we feel is right and true. And I would have told myself at 20 years old, these truths that you believe in, these things that you find that are sort of self-evident, believe them now and go forward with them. You don't have to worry about learning a whole lot more information. Um, in today's day and age, we are constantly bombarded by information and, and we think that more information is better. But a lot of times, you only need to know a certain amount and then you can go out and navigate in any environment you know, very well once you understand those fundamental things. Having more information or having more of anything, lots of times, if you have too much of any one thing, eventually it turns into the opposite of what you're trying to achieve by gaining it. Okay. Marcus, please share with us a piece of advice that your father never got to tell you or maybe he didn't know about being a man in today's world. I'm talking about information or advice that would have changed everything in your adult life, one that you will be sure to share with the future generation. My father did you know, what everybody else did back then. In his mind, the more educated you are, the more money you can equate to. That's what his mentality was because that's what he was told as he grew up. So while he did a great job raising me and showing me a lot of positive work ethic and things like that, it was impossible to see that as the environment shifts currently, now we see how you know, you don't necessarily have to go out and get an MBA to be able to create a business. You don't necessarily have to go out and get a PhD or a doctorate to be good at something necessarily. As a matter of fact, a lot of people can go out and fail multiple times and learn all the important lessons for free that the same person that spent, you know, $50,000 on an education is going to have to learn eventually anyway. And I have a lot of different clients and I speak to different people. Some of these clients are very, very educated, but yet even they are saying, you know, I was hoping that with this education, I could skip over the hard part. I could skip the struggle, but they can't. So it's an inevitability. So that was something that if I knew that earlier, maybe I would have attacked some of the things that I'm doing currently, you know, years ago. So that would probably be the piece of information. I hear you, Marcus, and I couldn't agree more. Okay, uh, Marcus, before we say goodbye, Please tell us about the projects that currently excite you and where can people find you? I'm working on my book currently and my book is called The Gift of Adversity. It's titled the same thing as my TEDx talk, The Gift of Adversity. And in it, I will go over more of the lessons that I learned from my injury and a lot of the things that I had in my speech are from my book. So if you enjoy my speech, you'll love the book. Um, also, I'm available for speaking. I'm also available to be a coach for executives or just personal development coach, mindset coaching. And you can find all that at MarcusAureliusAnderson.com. You can find me on LinkedIn under the same handle, on Instagram on the same handle. Uh, I've got a Facebook page and everything as well. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. Marcus, this has been a great episode. Thank you again for joining us today. And I hope to have you again on the Men's Journey Today podcast in the future. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to our next conversation, my friend. Absolutely. Guys, till next time. Take care.